welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. How do you trust God when everything around you seems so crazy? How can you rest in the fact that God is good when the world can't even seem to agree on what good means? While there may not be an easy button for it, trusting and following God in unsettling times is not only possible, but powerful. As we take a closer look at the life of King Hezekiah in our current series, Trust Me, we'll see how discovering God's best path for our lives starts with surrendering it to Him. So let's dive in and continue the upper journey. Here we are, day two of Hezekiah. I know you woke up this morning saying, I cannot wait to get to church and learn some more about King Hezekiah. Was that true of you? I bet your kids woke up this morning and said, today's Hezekiah day and upward. I can't wait to get there. Love Hezekiah. I learned a lot about this guy in Sunday school. He's an Old Testament king. When I was growing up, I was raised in church, went to Sunday school, learned so much about this king in Sunday school that he was a good king. I never really knew how great he was until I began to study his life a little bit. Hezekiah was an incredible king. He really made a difference in his generation. I mean a huge difference. He was king over the divide, you know, the kingdom of Israel. We talked about it last week. was divided into Israel and Judah. He was a king over Judah. God had told the whole nation forever, you serve me, I will preserve you, I will take care of you, I will be with you, you will go on forever. And that was his desire for them to go on forever. But God warned them, he said, if your heart departs from me, if you turn away from me, you're going to be taken captive by other nations. And that's exactly what happened. They divided. When they divided, they were weaker. They were easy prey for foreign nations to come in and take them over. Israel fell about 150 years before Judah did. That's Hezekiah, king of Judah, enabled his nation, his kingdom, to go on for a lot longer than Israel did because he was a king that stood up for what he believed in. He trusted the Lord and he stood up for the truth. You know, this old world we live in today needs some people like that who say, I put my trust in the Lord and I'm not afraid to stand up for what's true and for what's right. Are you wanting to be one of those people today? If I know most people, most people really have a deep-seated desire to make a difference in their generation. I know I have that desire. I don't want to leave this earth without leaving a mark on my generation. I want to leave it better than I found it. Hezekiah left his world a whole lot better than he found it because of two things. He trusted in the Lord with all his heart, and he stood up for what was right in his generation. And I believe God's raising up some people in our community, at Upward Christian Fellowship, at other churches around the area, in the body of Christ. God is raising up people who in these days, these crazy times we're living in, are putting their complete trust in the Lord, And they're ready to take a stand for Jesus Christ in their world. Take a stand and tell his story. And we'll shape the world for Jesus Christ. And we'll impact our generation. If you want to be like Hezekiah, here's the key thing. It's kind of a linchpin. It's kind of a tipping point for his life. When Hezekiah trusted the Lord, he was strong and powerful. When he wavered, and he did waver from time to time. I love this about the Bible. The Bible is such an honest book. It would have been so easy to leave out the times Hezekiah wavered or King David wavered. I mean, King David made some huge blunders. You ever read that story? It would have been so easy for the Bible writer just to leave those things out. But God put them in there 
because people like me were going to read it 2,000 years later and say, oh, I need a God that forgives you when you mess up. I need a God that will stand with you. So Hezekiah wavered sometimes when he didn't trust. It's all a matter of trust. Who you trust is very important. Now, some people just shut their hearts up and say, I'm not going to trust anybody. That's not the way to go. That's not the way to life, to just shut yourself off from people. There are people you can't trust. There are people who want to hurt you. There are people who will tear you down. They're just mean. There are still some people out there that you can trust. You say, well, I've been hurt over and over and over again. If you build up a wall around your life to protect you from ever being hurt again, you've built yourself into a prison. There's some people out there you can trust. Some people fail you not because they're mean. They fail you because they're human. They just make some mistakes. They messed up. They did something without meaning to do it. They hurt you. Those people you forgive, you rebuild relationships, you move on, and you understand that you're going to hurt them too at some point because you're human. But above all the people, I want you to understand this. There is a God in heaven who will never fail you. He will never forsake you. He said, I will be with you to the end of time. And if you put your full trust in him, you can count on the fact that he is going to get you to the right destination. It may not be comfortable. Let me just go ahead and say it. It will not be comfortable. When you put your trust, I hear these people talk sometimes and they tell these stories trying to win people to Jesus. And they say, if you just come to Jesus, you're just going to have this great life. I'm thinking, yeah, I know, but it's also tough. You come to Jesus, and make it sound like there's never any problems. Oh, goodness, when you come to Jesus, you'll have some additional problems. He never said it would be comfortable, He never said it would be easy. He never said all our prayers would be answered just as we wanted them to be answered. He never said he would operate according to our timing. But he did say he would get us there. What is there? There, the destination is to be, first of all, fully formed into the image of Jesus Christ. He's making every one of us like Jesus. Hallelujah. And he's taking us to an eternal home in heaven when he's finished with us in this temporary earth. He'll get us there. I was on a plane a couple of years ago. You ever been on a small plane? This plane was small. I felt like I could touch either side. It was on a short flight. Anybody ever flown from Atlanta to Asheville? How many have taken that flight before? You know what that flight's like? You get up in the air and then you land. (laughs) It's like we've reached our cruising altitude. Prepare the cabin for landing. It's like 30 minutes, 28 minutes, right? Well, I get on this flight. It's like 1130 at night. I don't like being up that late for one thing. And then I'm sitting on this flight, and there's only like 15 of us in the airplane. Everybody else took earlier flights because they had good sense. And the pilot comes back in the cabin to talk to us. Like, this cannot be good. He comes back, and I'm like, don't you have an intercom or something? Is it this bad? He comes, before we take off, he comes back. We're, we're still on the ground, mind you. That's probably an important point. But uh, <laughs> he comes back, and he says this. He says, uh, okay, everybody. Um, he said, this is not going to be the best flight you've ever been on. He said, it's snowing in Asheville. There's a storm passing through. 
And uh, he said, as you know, there are mountains there. There's just, we're just going to have to fly through a little bit of rough weather. But I want to assure you that it's safe and you're going to be okay. That just calmed me right down. <laughs> that settled me right down. <laughs> I'm like, bring that gate back here. Open that door up. Let me off of here. But I decided i got to be a man here. I can't be a... 50-year-old baby, so I'm going to stick it out. Our pride will make us do anything, right? I'm going to trust that pilot that he's going to get me there. And it was everything he said it would be. It was bumpy. It was snowy. If you've ever flown in the snow, snow looks like bullets going by when you're flying in a jet. But we made it. And when we landed, I said, thank you, Jesus, we're here. That's sort of like living for Jesus, There's some bumps. There's some storms. He never promised an easy way, but he did say, I will get you there. He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. And we have the hope of heaven ahead of us, and he will get us there if we fully trust him. But what we're talking about here today is making a difference in your world today. And this old world that we live in needs some difference makers. This whole world that we live in needs some people who are not scared of anything, who have fully put their trust in the Lord, who are not worried about everybody else's opinions, but who will stand up for Jesus Christ in the midst of a generation that's asking a whole lot of questions. I want to be one of those. I hope you do as well, because that's where the life is. I want to be a Hezekiah. It's going to be bumpy, as we said last week. We have a glorious, uncomfortable future ahead of us. It's going to be bumpy, but it's going to be glorious. And when we come down to the end of our lives, I want you and I to be able to look back on our lives and say, I did what I knew to do. I stood as much as I could stand. I trusted God with my life, and I invested myself in my generation. Amen, amen. Hezekiah did that. He was all alone. The the last good king before him was 154 years before him. The next good king was a few kings down the chart. He just stood in the midst of his generation, trusted God, and stood up for what was true and what was right. It matters who you trust. If you've ever heard of Walter Payton, Walter Payton was one of the great running backs in NFL history. Until a few years ago, he was the leading career rusher, uh, rushing yards uh, record holder in the NFL. Emmett Smith passed him some years ago, but for several years he held the record. Great in 1985, he and the Chicago Bears won the Super Bowl, and they gave him they gave the team these beautiful Super Bowl rings. Have you ever seen Super Bowl ring before? If you knew Mickey Marvin, Mickey uh, died a few years ago, lived in our community. I think he had three of them. I'd see his Super Bowl rings and think, how cool that is. Walter Payton had a beautiful Super Bowl ring. It was gold with diamonds. It was just glorious. He worked with a group of young men who, were, who were, had it rough, and he worked with their basketball team. He reached out to them with sports, and he, he was talking to these young men one day after he'd gotten his Super Bowl ring, and they asked to see his ring. And he said, he said, I'm going to teach you a lesson about trust. And he took his ring off and he handed it to one of the young men. And he said, I'm going to let you keep this ring all weekend. You can show it to your friends. You can have Walter Payton's Super Bowl ring for a weekend because I trust you that much. He never saw it again. The ring was gone. 
After all he'd done for these kids, they let his ring slip away. They came back and said, we don't know what happened. We just lost it. He tried to believe them. Finally, he filed a police report. And when he died in 1999, he still had never recovered that ring. It's important who you trust. People will let you down. But there's a God in heaven that will never let you down, I promise you. Now let's look at Hezekiah really quickly today. We're going to turn to the book of Hezekiah. I really wish you'd laugh because there is no book of Hezekiah. (laughs) Note to self, we need to learn the books of the Bible here at Upward Christian Fellowship. (laughs) We're in the book of 2 Kings. Actually, Hezekiah's story, he's such a powerful biblical figure that his story is listed in three different books, Kings, Chronicles, and Isaiah. We're in 2 Kings chapter 18, and this is what it says about Hezekiah who trusted the Lord. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria and refused to pay him tribute. Now, what does that mean, pay tribute? The king of Assyria, Shalmaneser, was moving in the land and he was taking over kingdoms. And essentially, these powerful kingdoms would bully the smaller kingdoms. It's kind of the idea of going to school and there's a bully with his fist in your face who says, give me your lunch money or you get a black eye. That's what the king of Assyria was doing. He was bullying them saying, you pay tribute to me and we will not invade you. And the Bible said Hezekiah got sick of seeing his kingdom pay tribute. His father Ahaz had paid tribute. He had allowed the nation of Assyria to bully them. But because Hezekiah trusted God, he could stand up to the bullies in his life and say, no, I do not bow to you anymore. He pushed back against the bullies, against the enemies of his kingdom. I want you to hear me today. There's some bullying going on in our world and in our culture today. There's some bullying that says, you say the words I want you to say, you think the thoughts I want you to think, you do exactly what I want you to do, the way you do it, and if you don't line up with exactly how I see the world, we're going to gather together and just cancel your influence. It's a bullying in our world today that, that tries to conform us to the image of the world rather than the image of Christ. Understand this, Christian. You trust in the Lord with all your heart and you do not have to be bullied. You do not have to be pressed down. You do not have to be afraid. You can stand up for what you believe and not pay tribute to the enemy. Because your destiny does not rest in their hands. People all the time, I'm talking to people, and I know I've mentioned it several times, but people say, I don't want to get canceled. You put your life in God's hands, and you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about what they say. Hezekiah didn't pay tribute to the enemy, but it says he went further than that. See, when you trust God, you can do all kinds of powerful things. Verse 8 says, he also conquered the Philistines as far distant as Gaza and its territory. From their smallest outpost to their largest walled city. He was actually now taking ground away from the enemy that once belonged to them. Hezekiah's father Ahab had compromised so much that enemies had begun to press in to Judah. And they began to take away territory that rightfully belonged to them. 
And that's so true in our world today as a church and many times as a people. We've surrendered ground to the enemy. Now hear me, when I say enemy, I'm not talking about people. I'm not talking about political parties. I'm talking about a very real devil and spiritual forces who want to destroy us. That's who the enemy is. We've allowed the enemy to creep in and take over some things that belong to God. The scripture said the earth is the Lord and all its fullness. He created this world. He created you and I. And everything down here belongs to Him. And we've sat back sometimes in fear because we haven't fully trusted the Lord. And we've allowed the enemy to encroach in our culture upon some areas that we need to just take a stand and take back for the kingdom of God and take back for Jesus Christ. I believe that with all of my heart. We had a meeting with our staff this week and some of our leadership and staff met together at a beautiful place and we spent the better part of a day just dreaming for the future. And one of the things we dreamed about as a staff, we looked at our culture. Now you know it upward, we're not building a church, we're transforming a community. Did you hear that? We're building His kingdom by transforming our community. That's what we're doing. We're building His church and we're going to transform our community. So we sat down and looked at our vision and looked at our goals and what we wanted to do. And we read some of our vision statements and we dumped all of them that have to do with attendance. We dumped our vision when it has to do with how much you're going to come and how much you're going to give. People say, what are your attendance goals? We don't have any. But we turned all of our vision and our goals outward. And we said, this is what we're going to give out as a church. Here's some areas of our community that we're not involved in for Jesus that we're going to get involved in. If you've never heard it, look up. There's a, there's a concept called the seven mountains of culture. And they are spheres of influence in our culture that we have to touch if we're really going to transform a community. They're things like government, religion, Family, education, business, the arts. I always forget one. But there are spheres of influence that we're going to get involved in for Jesus. Amen? We're not just going to sit back and surrender education to those who want it to be godless. Can I get an amen? amen? We're not just going to sit back and surrender government to those who'd like to take God out of it. Can you hear me? We're not just going to sit here quietly. I got a little Clint Eastwood in me this morning. <laughs> I love it when he comes into the diner and these guys are holding up the diner and he said, you didn't think we were just going to let you walk out of here. We're not going to sit back and wring our hands in fear and just let our culture drift away from things and godly principles that have held us together as a nation for over 200 years. We're going to stand up for Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? We're going to send missionaries to the educational world. We're going to send missionaries into government. We're going to send missionaries into the arts community. We're going to touch these areas of culture for Jesus Christ because all that belongs to Jesus. Can I get an amen? 
Hezekiah did that because he trusted the Lord. Now let me tell you what happens when you push against the enemy. Guess what he does? He pushes back. I wanted to title this message, The Empire Strikes Back. Because <laughs> to be honest with you, this message kind of ends like the Empire Strikes Back. They struck back and you don't know what happens yet. But next week, the return of the Jedi. <laughs> hang on until next week and we're coming back. But the enemy started pushing back against Hezekiah because the enemy's not going to just go away either. The one thing he needs to know is Jesus Christ has already defeated him at the cross. And through the blood of Christ and the word of our testimony, he is already defeated. We just have to claim the victory that is already ours. But the enemy pushed back, and he pushed back by threatening and by lying. Sennacherib was the, he was the successor to Shalmaneser. In, in 2 Kings 18, we see the partial kingdom of Israel fall, and the Assyrians actually conquered them, took them into captivity, and actually repopulated Israel with their own people to totally change their culture. So you've got Israel that's now been captured Hezekiah is standing with Judah and he sees half of the kingdom over there. He sees them fall and I believe he got scared. And he made a compromise. The Bible said Sennacherib came back and demanded that he pay tribute again and Hezekiah did so. See, here's the lie. And I'm, I'm almost, I told uh, Alexa and I told the staff, I said, we're just jumping back for one week back into liar, liar again because we're going to see three lies in Sennacherib's statement to Hezekiah that are so easy for Christians to believe. And I think God may be saying again to Upward, you need to reject the lies of the enemy and receive the truth of God's Word. In fact, I know God is still saying that to us today. Here's lie number one the devil tells us. Make a deal with me and I'll leave you alone. Sennacherib said, pay me tribute. and Hezekiah faltered. He saw other people fall and his trust was affected. And the Bible said Hezekiah went in and he even took the gold off the temple doors. And he gave, he sent Sennacherib 11 tons of silver and 1 ton of gold. That's somewhere between today's money, 75 and $100 million. Wouldn't you have thought that would have satisfied Sennacherib for a little while? But it did not. Sennacherib took his money and still attacked. He attacked cities in the kingdom of Judah and then he came to Jerusalem and laid a siege against Jerusalem. You can't pay the devil off. There's an enemy against you who wants to destroy you and you can't trust him and you can't make a deal with him. You ever tried to make a deal with the devil? Have you ever tried to make a deal with the devil? Have you ever heard that little voice saying, uh, try this, it'll make you happy? Anybody? If you're new to Upward, let me just tell you, these people are perfect. <laughs> they never do anything wrong. Never. The only person at Upward that struggles is the preacher up here. And all the rest of these people, they're good. It feels that way sometimes. Anybody other than me taking the devil's bait before and just said, wow, this didn't work. He made a deal and he let me down. If you've tried it, you've found out he doesn't deal. He doesn't live up to his word. He will lie to you. 
make a deal with me and I'll leave you alone. Hezekiah found very quickly he sent him tons of silver and gold and Sennacherib just kept coming. That's the enemy that's against us. The second lie he wants us to believe that's a, another powerful lie is this. God will not get you through this. Sometimes the devil just attacks our minds with these lies. David Wilkerson, a great preacher who I love and respect, he's gone to heaven now. He, he preached a message on this, title, on this passage, and he called it a letter from the devil. Sennacherib's name in Assyrian means man of sin, and he represents the devil and how he comes against Christians. And he comes with these lies, make a deal with me. Then he says, God's not enough. He said this in verse 19. It said, the Assyrian king's chief of staff sent this message to Hezekiah. This is what the great king of Assyria says. The great king of Assyria, who's dominating the world, who's already taken several of your cities. He said this, what are you trusting in that makes you so confident? Oh, that people all over Henderson County would say that of the body of Christ. That they would see such a hope, such a confidence, such a joy in us that they would say, why are you even smiling? Don't you know how bad the world is? Haven't you been watching the news? No, I haven't. No. God told me the other day, you're uninformed. I said, well, you're misinformed. That probably wasn't the Christ-like thing to say, but hey, I fight once in a while too. What do you know that I don't know? Who's telling the truth? Well, I do know that because I have Christ in my heart and I have His Word in my hand and in my heart and in my mind, and that is truth I can hold on to. That is truth you can believe in. Letter from the devil. You ever gotten an email from the devil? You ever had a meeting from the devil? A voicemail from the devil? People really get bold in voicemails. They'll leave you a doozy of a voicemail telling you how you stink. I've gotten several of those. Sometimes they call twice. You leave me one of those, I'm deleting the second one because I know what's in there. You ever gotten a letter like this from the devil, so to speak, a threat from the devil, and you really were so, it, it just put you into a panic? Anybody ever gotten to that? Where you, where you just really just wanted to run away? I mean, just run away. I mean, literally, just run away. I had one one time called me, and I literally just wanted to go. I, I was at church, and I got this terrible voicemail that was just you stink and you're terrible and upward stinks and I'm never coming back and I hate you all. That's kind of what it was like. That was the underlying message. It was more flowery than that. I was a young preacher back then. I literally just wanted to go running down Upward Road. Not even get in the car. I just wanted to run. Just get me out of here. That's what a letter from the devil feels like. But it's a lie. God is with you. God is with you. 
Who are you trusting in? When you've put your trust in God, you can smile even when the news is bad. You can smile even though things in the culture are tumultuous. I want us to be such people of faith and trust in the Lord that they'll come to us asking us that question. What have you got? The New Testament says this, always be ready to give an answer. For what? It doesn't say argue about doctrine. It doesn't say always be ready to explain when the rapture's taking place. Thank God it doesn't say always be able to explain the book of Revelation. Yes. It said, always be ready to answer for the hope that's within you. Meaning that as Christians, the hope should shine from us in such a way that people come to us asking questions. They ask Hezekiah, what is it? Are you trusting? Who are you trusting? Lie number two, God can't help you through this. Verse 22 said, perhaps you will say to me, we're trusting in the Lord our God. But isn't he the one that was insulted by Hezekiah? Didn't Hezekiah tear down his shrines and altars? You see, the Assyrians did not understand the God of Israel. They thought that one God was just as good as the next. And they thought that by tearing down these idolatrous places of worship that Hezekiah had actually offended the God of heaven who is far above all human idols. But they tried to get him to think, God must be mad at you. I deal with Christians all the time, and most of the time they've been raised in church. And they've heard preachers tell them God was mad at them. They've heard messages from God supposedly. Had a lady in our church growing up, she had a message from the Lord every Sunday. She would change the language a little bit, but it was the same every Sunday. Jesus would say this according to her. I'm coming back, I'm ticked off, y'all better straighten up. Wait a minute. That's what he said last week. I've come to learn that's not the message of Jesus. Now, I believe in the coming of Christ. Now, I believe we walk in holiness, but we don't do it out of fear. We do it because he loved us so much. And we recognize the beauty of it. You ever been traumatized by a movie? There was a thing on Facebook the other day, and i got to hurry. I'm over time. It said, what movie traumatized you growing up? Some people put Jaws. Anybody traumatized? That's old now. Or a horror movie or something. I put, I didn't put it, but I thought it. The Rapture movie they always showed us at church every summer. <laughs> That's what traumatized me. And if you're getting ticked off, I believe in the Rapture. I believe Jesus is coming back for his church. But here's what this movie was. It was always a group of teenagers. They were doing bad stuff. And then Jesus came back, and they were left behind, and then they got their heads cut off. I mean, literally, they had guillotines in the movie. I'm not making fun of that, because in the tribulation, it's not going to be a nice time. But hear me. They always say, Jesus is coming as a thief in the night. I'd be like, oh. There's a better picture of the rapture for believers. It's a wedding. And we're the bride. And the bridegroom is coming for us. That's a better picture than a thief. That thief in the night is for people that aren't looking for him. That's people who put their fist in God's face. 
We are his bride. We rejoice at his coming because he loves us. What I'm trying to say to you, God's not ticked off at you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you so he can embrace you with his love. Forgive your sin. Wash your past away and love you for all eternity. i got to move on to the last one. Lie number three. I have a better life for you than God does. Sennacherib said, if you'll just surrender to me. He said, if you don't surrender to me, verse 27, you're going to be so hungry and thirsty, you'll eat your own dung and drink your own urine. Not a good dining plan right there. He said, I'm going to lay siege to your city, and you're not going to have any food. You're going to starve to death. But if you'll just... Stop trusting Hezekiah. Stop trusting the Lord. He said, each of you will continue to eat from your own grapevine and fig tree and drink from your own well. It's a lie from the enemy when he says, I've got a better life for you than God does. Oh, and he tells us that all the time. When I was a young preacher, I went into a nursing home to visit an older pastor. And this man had, had served God for years. And I just started in ministry. And he was in a nursing home. And I'll never forget praying with him and visiting with him. And when I left to get in my car, I heard a voice in my head. Any of you ever heard that voice? And that voice in my head said, you serve God, you'll wind up just like that guy. The devil's always lying to us, telling us we're going down. You know, I couldn't see that day that I get to pastor this great church and see God's dreams come into a community and see lives changed every day. I've seen my dreams come true in 52 years. I wish I could have seen it back then. He was lying to me then to get me from, away from experiencing the joy I have in my life now. And he's doing the same thing to you. Saying, follow my path, follow my way. I have a better life. What did Hezekiah do? Number one, verse nine, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. When Hezekiah heard their report, he tore his clothes, put on burlap, and went into the temple of the Lord. When you are attacked by the lies of the devil, here's what you do. Go to God and just settle your heart. Get in God's presence in quiet. Settle your heart before God. Let Him give you some words. Open your Bible. It's important to me. When I'm really stressed, let me tell you what I do. I open my Bible on a chair and I just kneel down in front of it. And some of you think I have this red phone to heaven. Sometimes I do the same thing you do. I just start flipping through it saying, God, show me something. And I'll get a verse. I run to the Psalms when I'm hurting. We're going to do a message series this year called, uh, we can't figure out what to call it yet, War Room Prayers, Battlefield Prayers. Which one do you like better? We'll just vote on it. We'll call it what y'all say. They're all from the Psalms when David just poured out his heart to God in the midst of battle. That's what Hezekiah did. Then he went to the prophet Amos, prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to Isaiah and said, look at what's been said. Look at the threats. And Isaiah gave him a word that we're going to jump back into next week and see how God intervened and did something in Judah and did something through King Hezekiah. The people didn't have to lift a finger or even get involved. God came in and saw the problem. I talk about it like it's a big suspense. All you got to do is read it. 
not like a movie that I can unveil the story to you. You've got it on your phone right now. Next week, we're going to see God fight on Judah's behalf. We're going to see God conquer kingdoms because they trusted in the Lord. Amen. Bow with me, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for this day and opportunity to be in your house, to share in your word, to experience your blessing. And today, we just ask you to do your great work. Do what no man can do. Change hearts, change lives. If you're here today, you're watching online, you say, Pastor, I just want to say yes to Jesus today and everything he wants for me. I just want to say yes to Jesus. Can I see your hand really quick? I want to embarrass you. God bless you so much. Somebody else, yes to Jesus. I'm saying yes. Let's go a little deeper. How many would say, Pastor, I just need to trust, trust God with something that I've had a hard time trusting him with. I want my trust in God to go deeper than it ever has before. Can I see your hands this morning? That's me. God bless you. A lot of hands online. You're there. You can say yes to Christ. Please let us know you have. I want to pray with you today. If you're saying yes to Christ, just call out to him. It's so simple. Say, Jesus, forgive my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Savior, my Lord. And he will do that. Whatever that area you're not trusting, just surrender it to Jesus today. Trust him fully, and you'll see a mighty victory. Amen. You ready to get blessed out of here right now? We bless you out before you leave it upward. This is Pentecost Sunday. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. We believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe Jesus still has them in His church today so that we can fulfill His mission of taking Him to a world. So I just bless you with these simple words. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, with all His presence, with all His power, with all His goodness, with the very presence of Jesus. May you be filled with the Holy Spirit today so that you can manifest Jesus' presence wherever you go. I now commission you and send you into that harvest field, into that mission field. Take Jesus. Tell his story, your story, everywhere you go. Your commission, your sin, in Jesus' name. Love y'all. Thank you so much. Be blessed. See you next week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the upward journey.